the Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. What's going on, everybody? Eric Franson, AJ Salveson, here on the Full Court Press. Thanks for tuning in and joining us, wherever you may be. And uh, we always love to get your feedback. We love to have the participation here on the show from the listeners. 435-339-0321. And uh, you know, big things you saw over the weekend. Utah Jazz, nice win over the Mavericks, not-so-nice loss at Denver. Uh, Mountain West Conference, Colorado State could not pull off a two-game sweep over the Broncos. But what does that mean for the latest standings in the RPI, or excuse me, the net rankings in the Mountain West? And speaking of RPI, the latest results and rankings are in for high school basketball. We'll get into that. So, uh, and how do we do in pick six? How close to the mark did we get? Did one of us get closer than the other guy? The answer is yes. You oh. can't hear my mic up? No, there we go. Now your mic is on. <laughs> Glad to be included in the show. Um, great teaser. That's a great teaser. <laughs> Love it. It's great work right there, Eric. Yeah, Solid. It's a Monday. Uh, right? what's, what's the call-in number? Uh, 435-752-1069. Yeah, Again, 435-752-1069, right? Yeah. Yeah, if you ever want to call in, we'll take your calls, too. We will take your calls, and we will get chewed out. We are, we, I'll tell you again, we are ready to get hurt. Pray for us, though. What do you mean, ready to get hurt? We are ready to get hurt again. Hey, you know, looking at the Aggies, this is an incredibly random thing, but I was reading a tweet from uh, Jacob Nielsen, great guy, and he tweeted this out. I can't get over the fact that in 2011, Utah State was 30-3. and three. Eric, in 2011, Utah State was 30-3 and three and had wins over Utah State Marys, won the regular season and the tourney, was ranked 17th in the AP poll, and they were ranked 12th in the NCAA tournament that year. That is sad. 30-3, and three, wins over Utah State Marys, who were good, like, both teams were really good back then. Regular season and tourney champions. Ranked 17th, and they were a 12th seed. Yep. <laughs> there, were, oh, man. there was loads of respect for Stu Morrow back then. Yes, there was. Absolutely. Uh, Tongue-in-cheek. Yep. Uh, 5338 wants to weigh in. Oh, boy. Joins us here on the Full Court Press. Five, What's on three, your mind, 5338? Good to hear your voice. How's it going, guys? Hey, I thought I'd uh, better call in since you guys keep censoring my text. <laughs> oh, <laughs> if they're about Tom Brady, that might be true. <laughs> it's the Denver McNuggets, not the Denver Nuggets. Nice <laughs> Nuggets. I like. And it's not Tom Brady. It's crying Tom Baby, the G code, greatest cheater of all time. I'm sorry, you're cutting out. What did you say? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? After he wins Super Bowl number ten, or I guess Super Bowl number seven in Super Bowl number ten. I hope we will change his name to the GOAT, Tom Brady, or the the um, the freaking GOAT, Tom Brady. <laughs> anyway, a hey, hey, um, couple quick things I just wanted to throw out. Um, I wanted to follow up on your uh, 
top five of all time discussion from Friday. Oh, yeah. Um, so I do appreciate you putting Gretzky on the list. So being Mr. Hockey, I, I appreciate that. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up, though, um, Gretzky's numbers, his career numbers were just off the charts for sure. Yes. Um, I think his most impressive stat was probably the 200 points in one season. Um, I think if you four get 100 times. points in one season in the NHL, you're considered the man, but getting 200 is just unbelievable. Um, but I think if you drill down into his career records, his actual goal scoring, um, he, uh, he actually only comes up about sixth or seventh on the all-time list. Um, oh, wow. Mike, Bo- Mike Bossy is number one. Um, and Mario Lemieux is right next to him. I think Mike Bossy averaged 0.76 goals per game. Lemieux averaged 0.75. Uh, and there's a couple other guys that you've probably never heard of, and I haven't either, that are right up there. But then you got between there and Gretzky, you've got Pavel Bure, and then you've got Ovechkin, who's still playing. Um, but anyway, yeah, so Gretzky just had a, a long, illustrious, consistent career. Um, I think Lemieux, in my opinion, is a slightly better player, but his career was much shorter. Mm-hmm. Um Anyway, hey, so. and, what, 533, if I can ask you, please, what, because I didn't consider Bobby Orr as one of the greats. Is that, is that wrong on my part, or would you agree? I would agree. Okay. I think he's the only defenseman who's ever led the league in scoring in a season. Um, I may be wrong on that, but that's what made Bobby Orr so great, was okay. his scoring prowess as a defenseman. Right. Um, so, yes, I would agree. Um, and I would agree with what you said, RJ, last Friday when you started this. It's so difficult to do this top five when you've got across all these different sports and things. But um, I wanted to add an honorable mention for an athlete that was not uh, not a human being. I would put Secretariat there. Oh, um, oh yeah. Um, if you look at 1973, Secretariat won the Triple Crown. Um, he still holds the track record at Churchill Downs and at Belmont Park. Like it's almost 60, 50 years later. And he won the Belmont Stakes by over uh, 30 lengths, which is unbelievable. Yeah, it, it, it's, I, I've heard that before. Others have said, when we're talking about athletes, um, yeah. Others have also included Secretariat in those discussions. I watched that race uh, about three weeks ago. I because I'd never seen it before, and I was like, yeah. I think I'd have like finished watching Sea Biscuit, and I was like, oh, I watched Secretariat race, and so I did, and it's incredible by like, how he just gallops, and it's a cakewalk for him in the final what would you say mile or so of that race? Uh, it's just yeah. amazing. Yeah, he just—it's just unbelievable what he did. So yeah, if. If people out there haven't had a chance to look at that race, 1973 Belmont Stakes, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's incredible. You won't believe what you see. So, um, also, I want to gripe a little bit about the alternating possession rule for jump balls in college basketball. Okay. Um, so yesterday, I've I always hated this rule because I think it's kind of socialism brought into competitive sports, but. This really came into play yesterday, actually, with a game between St. John's and Marquette. 
So I was just flipping through the channels and came across this game, and I just was curious to watch Kobe McEwen for a minute or two. And he's doing pretty well with Marquette. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the game, it was a close game. St. John's was up by two points. Marquette was triggering the ball out of bounds under St. John's basket with about eight seconds to go. When the ball got thrown in, it got tipped away, and then there was a scramble for it. Um, a St. John's player actually dove on the floor and just um, got in the fetal position, had the ball in his stomach, you know. A Marquette player comes in with two hands and grabs hold of the ball, and the referee calls a jump ball. And by that time, there was about, I think, only one second left. So the, the possession arrow went to St. John's. So with one second left, St. John just inbounds the ball and runs out the clock. What, and Marquette doesn't get a chance to actually have a chance to tie the game or win it with a three-pointer. What, what they should have done is just jump up the ball. I know there's only one second left, but just throw it up, tip it to whoever, and if Marquette gets a chance to shoot it, let him do it. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, St. John's I, I, was just given the ball, and that was it. I mean, that was... That's a really crappy end of that game. That's a rule that really needs to go away. Mm. Yeah, I don't like the jump ball thing, alternating possessions. I, I don't like that college basketball is played in halves. Uh, when you're a kid, you play in quarters. When you're in right. high school, you play in quarters. When you're in the NBA, you play in quarters. But men's college basketball, they think they're special and need to do things differently, and they do it in halves. Um, and so yeah. why does that change? Internationally, it's played in quarters. <laughs> um, and the the uh, jump ball alternating possessions, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's a silly rule. Uh, let them jump it up. And how much will that change possessions and how uh, how you go after a ball and what happens uh, you know, when uh, loose balls, when they get going around. So I'm with you. I, I think that, yeah. that rule needs to go away. Yeah. Um, and then one more thing I'd like to throw out and let you guys comment on it. It's uh, about Urban Meyer getting an NFL head coaching job. Um, this is a guy who's had a lot of players under his tutelage, if you might call it that, get arrested. An assistant coach that was a serious domestic abuser. I guess he went through some legal depositions, really didn't say much. Um, I'm not terrible. I mean, he's obviously been successful, but not terribly impressed by any sort of lack of discipline or oversight over his coaches and players in the past. I'm just wondering what Jacksonville is thinking, and if they obviously don't care about that and when they hired him, but um, you guys think he deserves that shot based on his past history? Yeah. Uh, well, first, thank you for the phone call. Greatly appreciate it, 5338. Uh, yeah. Yeah. See you later, guys. Yep. Thank you. Uh, you know what? I I think he does. I look. This guy went to what Bowling Green. Took him to two bowl games. He went to Utah. Took him to Fiesta Bowl. Went to Florida. Won in two national championships. Went to Ohio State and then won another one. The guy can flat out coach. Uh, and when you go to the NFL, you don't have to worry about the recruiting part. Now, if there's one coach who comes in who's brand new who can handle the egos of NFL paid football players, it's Urban Meyer. He, like, I mean, look, if you can handle egos at Ohio State and Florida, both players, administration, and donors alike, Urban Meyer can handle NFL football players. I don't see this being a huge I issue for him. And I think just for that reason alone, besides for the fact that he can coach, he uh, he's worth every bit of penny they can pay. 
Well, I, I agree with you that he brings a certain level of uh, gravity with him um, that uh, the people will get drawn into, and uh, he has a personality, and he's got respect. He's earned that respect with how he's coached and won at, the, at high levels, at least in the college level. Uh, regarding his things that have happened in his wake, um, look, there are other coaches that have had those kinds of things happen on their under their watch. Um, Matt Wells had some guys get in some really, you know, deep doo doo. Um, look at Green, a uh, lot yeah. of you know, uh, rape cases and allegations against this linebacker who was going to the Atlanta Hawks. Excuse me, the Atlanta Falcons. Um, and they, uh, once these uh, allegations started to come forth, and they backed out on him. So, is did Matt Wells not deserve an opportunity to be the head coach at Texas Tech because some things he had some bad actors on his roster? Uh, I understand, you know, you, if there's a history of it and there's a pattern of it where this always happens under this coach's watch, then you have to consider, you know, really what is he taking seriously? Mm. What is he talking to his players about? About being good characters. Who does he want on his team? Will he have proper discipline? I understand that. Um, but that that happens at a lot of different levels and a lot of different teams. So, uh, Yeah, like you think about the Aaron Hernandez situation in, at Florida, right? Uh, that was one of Urban's recruits was Aaron Hernandez. And then uh, he did have a history with them at Florida University, or University of Florida, excuse me. Um and then took that history and continued it with New England, even though it felt like that Bill Belichick should have understood what was Aaron was carrying with him before they drafted him. I think that part is more on Bill Belichick than it is on Urban Meyer. Yeah, that's a good by point. By far and away. But I think that, look, if this stuff starts to creep up again in Jacksonville, then there's going to be a large microscope. Yeah. Uh, no it, question. And there already is, and I think there will be even more so, like you said, if something does come up. So you hope that Urban can go there, uh, handle the prima donna, high diva mentality in an NFL football country, uh, and two, that he can keep guys out of trouble and, and hopefully have a team that's successful. Um, but again, I, I think he's worth it. I do. I think it's a good hire. Because I can tell you right now, every college in the country wanted that guy. That had a job opening. Yeah, every uh, top-level institution. Yeah, every, every time there was an football opening, college. Or him. they're not happy with the guy they have. They're calling. Yep. They were calling Urban to see if he'd be interested to come there. They'll bounce the guy that's there to make room for Urban Meyer. So I understand. There's some people who just don't like him, um, and I get that. Um, but when you look at his. Uh, Success at winning games, it kind of speaks for itself. Now, you shouldn't just say success at all costs, and these other things don't matter as long as you win. But bottom line is when you win, those other things don't seem to be as glaring as if you're losing. Yeah. That's, that, that's just a, a really kind of a sad commentary on our culture more than anything. But um, look, uh, those there were some bad things that happened under Urban's watch. Uh, how much was he responsible for? I think that's up to debate. But if uh, if things start to get out of control in Jacksonville or start to creep up in Jacksonville, then uh, it's going to be highly scrutinized, and Urban sure. may not be have a very long tenure there. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, my two cents for what it's worth on Urban Meyer. We'll find out. We'll find out uh, in the fall. Soon enough. Yeah, I mean, 
there's been guys that have gone and had success at the college ranks and moved up to the NFL, and it's translated well, and they've had success. Others, they just really struggle with it. Um, you know, Irma Meyer doesn't have to worry about recruiting, as you said. Ajay doesn't have to worry about going out on the trail. Um, all he has to worry about is, is coaching football, playing football. But there are a whole other set of pressures and, uh, and, and nuance that comes with the NFL level, too. So, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see how it translates. I mean, certainly the NFL game has moved more closer to the uh, the college game than it's perhaps been in a very long time. So uh, a guy like Urban Meyer can make that leap and probably could be successful. If he tried to make that jump even 10 years ago, I don't know if it would have worked uh, to the same degree that it might work now. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, also to the point about the uh, winners and greatest at what they did. Secretariat, that's a, definitely a good honorable mention. Dude, that horse was dominant too. Again, just go back and like five three three eight. Say go back and watch that Belmont Stake race. I mean, it's close for maybe the first, I don't know, twenty seconds, twenty four seconds, and then it's just. I mean, it's a runaway. It's almost like he uh, he pushed the turbo button on the horse and he was gone. That thing was. It's not just how he won, but by what by what length margin. he won. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, you're right. By how he won, just I mean the length, the margin, and how it was just he could have strolled. Honestly, could have strolled for the final, I don't know, forty yards, and still would have won that race. That's how far ahead he was. It, yeah, I go back and watch that race. It's pretty cool actually to see the the uh, uh, the picture and just the screen in the in, in the video of it. I think it's awesome. That was uh that was hard work last Friday. Putting that together, the Friday five best, the five best or winningest of, of all time across different sports. That was tough. I thought about it over the weekend. Like, man, who did I leave off? Or should I have considered this person more? Or uh, should I have re- or, uh, re-ranked this person higher or this person lower? But it's out there. It is what it is. I'm going to stand by my final, my top five as they were. Um, but I do feel bad that I left. Um, gosh, now I'm already forgetting his name. <laughs> um, from the early 1900s, guy that did everything. Oh my goodness! Now I'm Jim Thorpe. Yes, thank you. <laughs> he was amazing. Yeah, so mo- so amazing. Apparently, that I forgot his name. <laughs> I, when you said that, I was kind of like, what, "You forgot?" Okay, uh, no. The street clothes story that you told, by the way, I never heard that before. That's still the most mind-boggling thing I've ever heard. He's in street clothes. He just, hey, <laughs> you guys look like you're doing some kind of competition over there. I'll join and then what I'll you beat doing? you. You mind if I try, dude? Like, what were those people? Yeah, do you think like Whoa. those people dressed in like shoes, the the gear and everything? They're like, they've been practicing, okay. training. Uh, you want to throw a couple cool hundred down? Yeah, I'll do it. And he's probably just like, I mean, it's kind of like Uncle Drew, right? The old basketball, you know, Kyrie dressed as an old man. People are making fun of him. And then he just dominates. <laughs> they probably like me. what Jim Thorpe did. So Jim Thorpe created that idea very first, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's the OG. <laughs> All right, uh, we're going to call a timeout here on the Full Court Press. When we come back, um, let's recap some of the things that happened this past weekend with hey, our pick six. And after a great month, a jazz member or of the organization is awarded a Western Conference award? Yes, a nice recognition. Uh, which reads rightfully so, by the way. Absolutely. 
We'll talk about that, who it is, coming up next here on the Full Court Press. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric France and AJ Salveson. Sorry, that was see. That's why I sometimes use the tube of ubes, tube ube, <laughs> to uh, get my music so it doesn't die on me when we're talking out. Uh, Eric, uh, Red Sox. You, you, I always feel like it's a dying era when you see players from their past decide to call it a career. Um, it's it's incredible. By the way, speaking of a, an era dying, and, and no pun intended, I swear, but Screech passed away. Or I guess Dustin Diamond, who played Screech from Saved by the Bell, passed away. Yeah, cancer, 44 yeah. years old. Yeah, he was stage four, too. They found it, and it was already it was already way late in its in its uh, process and, and took and took Dustin Diamond away. That's that's sad, man. I, I always got a kick out of his role in Saved by the Bell. You know, people like Zach. I thought Zach was cocky. I thought AC was too big and too strong to be that nice. Uh, Lisa was too fake. Jesse was too psycho. And Kelly was too beautiful. So the only person I could relate to was Screech. You got you to gotta think that he thought that was cool like at first that he got that part, playing yeah. that role. But over time, he's like, really? Do I still have to be this? Yeah, this, this geeky, weirdo saying do dumb things. Can I not like do, do something somewhat normal? Have you ever seen like any excerpts from his tell-all book? About the say by the bell times, dude. He is open about how he got treated, and then so then after he dies, like Kelly or I guess Tiffany Dyson and um, Mario Lopez and Mark Paul Gossler, they all put out these you know little tributes you know about Dustin, and all the replies below him are like, "Well, you hated the guy anyway, so why do you care?" Like it's brutal. They just call him out. It's incredible. Anyways, uh. God rest his soul, Dustin Diamond passed away, formerly known as Screech. Uh, and then retiring from baseball is Dustin Pedroia. Dude, he was one of my favorite players to watch on one of the teams I hated the most. Like I couldn't stand the Red Sox, but watching Dustin play, because he wasn't the biggest of guys, but dude, he had talent. And that talent, out it's kind of like Jose Altuve, had talent that out, did his size, um, overshadowed the size, and he was so incredibly talented in the game of baseball. I'm going to really miss watching him play. Uh, he had a few things to say and uh, says he is totally at peace with his decision. He had some, uh, I guess, uh, some knee, yeah, knee injuries. Injury. And he had yeah, surgery, was, too. Had a hard time coming back from it. and just like It's just not going to be possible for him to come back. So, um, But he does say he's at peace with his decision to uh, call it a day. Listen, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not upset about anything anymore. I mean, that could have, that play could have happened in my rookie year. Um, you know, I, when you play second base and, and, and you play second, like me, you hold, you, you hang on the last possible second to get the ball. Um, because, um, I mean, you, you watched it. If, if there's a, a slim chance at a double play, there's one guy on planet earth that could turn it and you're talking to him. So, you know, it happened. You know, unfortunately, 
you know, I just got caught in a, a wrong position and, and that was it, you know, but I, I think I'm at peace with everything, knowing that I did me and the training staff and our doctors did everything we possibly could have. So, I mean, that'd be tough, right? <laughs> I mean, it'd be easy to be frustrated or mad that you know, the person who, who slid into you, who caused the injury or whatever it was and, and blame them and be bitter. Uh, and that, that you're, that's what caused your playing career to be done. Yeah. That's, that's really, really hard to say what, what, what he just said. But it's the sport. It's, it's, you know, it's the sport. Um, he's not the first one who's had his career ended by an injury and he's had to retire. Uh, it's, and it won't probably not, if I can be honest with you, it's probably not going to be the last, but Eric, he's, I mean, a four-time all-star. He was named rookie of the year in 07. He was an AL MVP in 08. He played his entire 17 careers with the Red Sox organization. He won three world series. He was a four-time gold glove winner. Uh, I don't know if he makes the hall of fame. But I think he's going to be in lore with the great Red Sox of the organization in its history. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I, I don't think that he's just because it, I think he could have been on that path. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But because I his mean, career was shortened, he he's in the top five of every major stat category at his position, uh, from 08 to thirteen. Uh, he was first in WAR average. He was first in batting average, or excuse me, second in batting average, second in hits on base, stolen bases. He was third in runs, fourth in RBIs. Like there was a stretch where he was easily the best player at his position, easily. But you know, again, as it all does, he's thirty-seven years old, and you play one hundred and sixty-two games a year, and I don't know how many he was sitting out, but. Uh, you know, he, like you said, in, I think it was April of 17, it was Manny Machado. He slid into him, uh, took his knee out. He had to, you know, he went through multiple surgeries. Um, he played just what, nine games from eight in the 18 and the 19 seasons. And that's kind of when it, when it, when it went really downhill for him. He was a defensive player primarily during those times, but just not enough contribution for the team. And I think, I honestly feel like I think the Red Sox might have been saying, Hey, look. There's we we got to move on from you, man. Well, and here's what he had to say: just it was a risk to his ongoing quality of life. Like yeah. he could come back, but he would be there's a risk that he would be impacted for the rest of his his life because sure. of the injury. So once once I had the surgery, you know, obviously doctors and no one has ever played with a partial knee replacement, um, you know, because the fear of you know it breaks and you know, the rest of my life would be severely impacted by it. Yeah, can you imagine trying to make that decision? Do I do something that no one's ever done to, sh to maybe be a trendsetter and uh, maybe show that it can be done? Or do I risk going out there and having something happen and I'm crippled for the rest of my life? So it's worth the risk just to walk away. Yeah, and, and I mean... Again, he's got, what, three kids and a wife, and time to move on with life. At 37 years old, leaving the game of baseball with what he's done in his resume, that's it, it's okay to walk away at that point. You're, you've done enough. So, good for him, though, in his career. Happy for him. That's, uh, that's pretty cool. I mean, well, just for his career, it's pretty cool, but um, nothing to be ashamed of. Nothing at all to be ashamed of. Uh, a couple of texts that have come through. Okay. Uh, invite you to 
to text in, 435-339-0321. This comes from 9463. Going back to the Friday's five best conversation, who are the most successful athletes who have had the least amount of athletic ability, whether they were overweight, too tiny, whatever? I'm curious who comes to mind. Okay, so William the Fridge Perry from the Chicago Bears. Oh, okay. Uh, Good thought. Uh, uh, Jose Altuve was tiny, right? Mm, yes. Barry Sanders was really small in the game. I compared to NFL players, was way too small. We saw how that worked out for him. Would you group in any race car driver into that discussion? No, because they're not really athletic. No, I no, I wouldn't. That's why I don't put race cars. Race car drivers in this conversation. You wouldn't even consider them athletes. No. You have to have a certain level of physical stamina and mental fortitude to still complete those races and win at a high level. So you have the same thing when you eat a hot or have a hot dog eating contest. What's that guy's name? The hot dog eater? Won all those championships? Oh. I put the race car drivers and the hot dog eater in the same conversation, in the same category. Uh, Joey Chestnut. Yes, Joey, thank you. Joey Chestnut. Um, let's see. Uh, who else? I yeah. Warren I would, Sapp. Who? Warren Sapp. Ooh. Why Warren? Because he's a big, big guy. But he was he was athletic for his size. Yeah. He, he was a difference that's, maker. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Remember when you were oh, a like, big time Warren Sapp fan back when he played for the Buccaneers? I was, no, I was just I thought you said something else and I had to <laughs> I had to make sure I, I didn't that hear guy? why you said Warren Sapp or not. Yeah. I was uh yeah, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> I know who Warren Sapp is. Gal. Uh no, I don't know if yeah, I mean he was a bigger guy. He was athletic. I don't know if I put him in that conversation, but hey, to each their own. Uh let's see, another guy with Andre the Giant. No. Well well <laughs> depends what we're talking about. If it's a beer drinking contest, you betcha. I'm putting him in there. Uh wrestling, not so much. Ray Mysterio? No. Uh um uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of other guys with not maybe when I mean okay. I, I know this sounds crazy, okay, but bear with me. Tom Brady, the guy ran like a five nine forty. He was slow. He was way over. I mean, for a quarterback, he was overweight. Uh, he's like a bean pole. Now, granted, TB twelve might have saved his life and his career. Just kidding. Uh, 2417. Hello. He said, top five, not athletic. Barry Sanders, are you nuts? Okay. Well, but Can, he, read he said not. Do you have the text? Read it to me again. Yes, I there can't. were a couple of criteria there. Okay. Because okay. I almost corrected you too. And then i like, no, when you look at what he asked. So, um, the most successful athletes who've had the least amount of athletic ability, whether they were overweight. William Fridge. Too tiny. Barry Sanders. Whatever. So Jeff Gordon, Barry Sanders, definitely athletic, but he was too tiny. Jose Altuve is athletic, but they are undersized. John Stockton, yes, that's a good one. John Stockton was definitely not athletic. Undersized. And don't tell me, yeah, very undersized. Don't tell me he was athletic because he wasn't. <laughs> yeah, no way. John Stockton would be on that list. Jose Altuve, I think I'm for well, oh how Jose Altuve is able to produce buzzards on his chest or not, still pretty incredible. Doug Flutie, yes, yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, 
Doug, that's a good one. I put Doug Flutie on there. Undersized, but successful. Yeah, very successful. He made it to the NFL, had a great career. You know, had Boston College beat Miami in that famous Hail Mary. Yeah, definitely. Two four zero nine. How about the round mound, Charles Barkley? And in the first 15, ten years of his career, absolutely. Guy was a uh, chunky chuckles, is what they used to call him. I think. Well, look at the Sydney Olympics. The guy led the the dream team in, in points, points and rebounds, and right? Rebounds. Yeah. I okay. So would you put Charles Barkley on that list? I don't consider him unathletic, though necessarily. I don't either. I think it's pretty freakish athlete. But again. Is he was he? I don't know if he was overweight though. Actually, coming to think about it, with the Sixers he was. With the Suns he was pretty well in shape. I don't know but if by I the time he got to Houston, a little bit different. Yeah, Houston, true. But I think Houston used him for different purposes other than being the main score as well. Yes, that's because he was the third and option. Barkley, like when he was with the Suns, they had him do everything. When he went to Houston, you had a game. You had Kenny the Jet Smith, Clyde Drexel. I mean, you had a list of guys who could work around you to create in other ways. So, 5338, Spud Webb. Oh, good one. 5-7 and won the dunk contest. Yes. Like, yes. Spud Webb, definitely. Muggsy Bugs? No. Bugs? Muggsy Bugs? No, it's Bugs. Bugs. It's Bugs. But no, were, actually, I wouldn't put him in that. But were Spud Webb and Muggsy no. Bugs, were they successful athletes? Spud Webb, yes. Muggsy Bugs, no. Bugs. Bugs. <laughs> we need, like, a translator in here who's <laughs> coming to, like, clear the air for us, kind of like with, like, replay officials. Uh, Yeah, let's go ahead and turn our uh, attention here to Donnie. Donnie, uh, join in. What are you seeing here? What are you hearing? Uh, Yes, this is actually pronounced Bugs, uh, according to his 1992 oh, biography. What? Uh... <laughs> What's that person called? There's a name for that. A re- yeah, um, like what? Like, not a referee. It's, what is uh? What they, is they correct you if they yeah, make mistakes? What is the NBA like? So like on a national telecast, the NBA official Steve Javi will be like, uh, yeah. Steve so Javi. obviously, yeah, Javi. Well, you know, he'll come in and be like, yeah. Well, here's what I saw, and Rules obviously it's the right call. So we we should have a guy like that in here. Uh, yeah. Uh, actually, uh, it's incorrect. It is Bogues. Um, since 1992 in his biography, he was pronounced Bugs. He used to be Bugs, and he was bugged by it. And they call him Bugs Bunny. Ombudsman. What? Ombudsman. Somebody who's appointed to investigate com- the complaints. Who's, who got it wrong? Okay, are we they going, come in and they investigate and they tell you who's right. Are we going back to the yellow tight leggings with the sack on the back? I mean, is that, I mean, what an un- like what, what was that guy? That guy's called a snitch. Now got an ombudsman. <laughs> ombudsman. They represent the interests of the public. We are looking for an intern ombudsman who can correctly <laughs> help us phrase things when we have lost our wording. An uh, ombudsman. You didn't. Oh my heck! I don't know how you came up with that. One five three four. CC Sabathia. Nah, he was athletic. He was overweight though. Actually, he does got a good point there. That guy could hit a couple Big Macs before the game and then three more after the game. There's no doubt. Uh, CeCe, I don't know because, man, he was athletic, though. Like, he uh, – and, I mean, I don't know how what you like, define athletic as a pitcher, but he could throw it really, really well. Prince Fielder? Yes. Uh, the Panda, Pablo Sandoval? 
But again, these are we're thinking of bigger, bigger guys. I know we're thinking of bigger guys. But, but did they have success? Yeah, did they Prince, have the same kind of CC Sabathia level of success. CC Sabathia, yes. Prince Fielder, no. You're the only, and you know what? the panda. Ah, no, David Ortiz, yes or no? Yes. Was he overweight though? Well, he was thick. <laughs> I don't know, man. He could crush it. He's got, yeah. he's got rings on his fingers. <laughs> He's got rings on his fingers. Uh, yeah. See, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, all right. I'll I'll, I'll go CC Sabathia. I could do that because he was successful. Not as near as overweight as a guy like. Yeah, I don't know. That's tough. Who who was the boxer that uh, George Foreman? No, there's a boxer that that knocked out Tyson. I thought. And in his next fight, he was like way overweight. Oh, I'm trying to think of his name. Actually, there was a bigger guy just recently within the last like year or two. Everyone was like, yeah, this is the Homer Simpson of boxing. He was like big guy. Yeah, didn't he win like the title or something? He won the title. Yeah, he was Hispanic. Everybody. And yeah, I can't remember what his name is. He didn't, I don't think he held on to it very long. No, no. Yeah, that, he was like, it was like a viral thing too when he won it. Yeah. All right. Uh, that guy. Sure, why not? <laughs> yeah, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Any more? Uh, two four zero nine. Mark Eaton. Ah, no. I ah, man, Mark Eaton was athletic. He was not athletic. He just was tall. He was very tall. He was not athletic. Okay, so you remember him a- running down the court? He would lumber. Just took everything he had to move his legs. <laughs> Three steps. He's on the other side of the court already. Can you give us that motion on a live stream by chance? <laughs> Uh yeah, Marky. So okay, so you put Marky on the list. Uh, yeah, I guess. Really? He wasn't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he was up there with blocks in the NBA for a long time. Rebounds. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Butterbean was a boxer. Hmm. Oh. Yeah. Butterbean. Yeah. All right. Uh, 6804, on topic, Robert Trailer. Oh, yeah, dude. I forgot. I think he played at Michigan in college. Remind me if oh, I'm wrong. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, remind me if I'm wrong there, 6804, but I think it's Robert Trailer, and he played at Michigan. He was a low, too. He was a, he was a monster to deal with. Uh, By the way, 68... Oh four wants to bring us back. Okay, real quick before we take another time out. Yeah. Uh, hey, gentlemen, I know you're past this topic by now, but we'll come back to it. If you look at the reason why Urban went NFL instead of college, the only thing that Nick Saban has over Urban Meyer is NFL experience and the ability to say he actually knows and can tell recruits at the high school level what to expect in the NFL if they come play for him in college. That's it. That's the sole reason why Urban Meyer went to Jacksonville and not some other college opportunities. If he went back to college, he'd still be in the shadows of Nick Saban, and most of Saban's success in college came after his NFL experience. Interesting. Hmm. I have two. I have kind of both sides to the coin to it, though. I feel like if he goes to college, I think he wins wherever he goes. If it's Texas, he's winning. If it's USC, he's winning. And I think he's right there, toe to toe with with Nick Saban in a lot of college football playoff matchups. I, I do. I agree with you. I now, think jump if he, to, yeah, go to the other side. Wherever please. he went, wherever he was going to go at a, at, the, at a high level college football program, he would immediately 
be in the national discussion. Uh-huh. And he would get his team to be into at that level to compete in the college football playoff. Sure. I think he's that kind of a coach, that kind of a recruiter, and has that kind of success. Would he go to the NFL just to eventually come back to college football so then he can try to one-up Nick Saban? I don't know. I think Urban Meyer's had enough success sending guys to the NFL that he doesn't need that little token to put on his resume mm. to persuade a recruit to come play for him. I, I don't... I think he's a pretty darn recruiter without the yeah, I without the NFL experience. I, I get what you're that. saying, though, 6804. I, I definitely understand. Um, I would, goodness gracious, I would still have to think that if he's going to the NFL A, because like he threw out an insane price in the NFL, and Jacksonville's like, absolutely. Okay. Well, crap, now I have to go, right? But <laughs> uh, no, I, but I think there's a good experience with it. I think he enjoyed the challenge of college football. But for a guy who's done it all, honestly, he took Bowling Green to the first three bowl games. He took Utah to their first BCS game in the Fiesta, then romped Pittsburgh in that game. Uh, he won a national championship. No, excuse me, two with Florida, one with Ohio State. Like, what else do you want the guy to do? And I think he wants a new challenge, and Jacksonville is a tremendous challenge for him. And I think he that's what he's motivated by. Yeah. Uh, maybe to... Uh improve his legacy in another way. Yeah, don't let that and that's a great point. And you know what? If he can do what Nick Saban couldn't do in the NFL, mm. well, we're having a different conversation here yeah. in a couple of years for whatever it is. So hey nine four seven four Grey Ghoster tag. <laughs> hey, if you're putting Mark Eaton on there, I'm putting Grey Ghoster tag. Grey Ghoster tag got to the NBA finals twice. The Jazz became a different team when he showed up. But he's definitely not athletic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great ghoster tag might be up there. Uh, six eight zero four trailer was University of Michigan, not athletic. True, he was a monster, was a big though, body. dude. <laughs> yeah. Big body. He was a monster. Uh, Nine four seven four. Who hangs it up first, Tom Brady or Jared Goff? And by hang it up, I mean Goff would be forced to hang it up. Uh, Tom Brady. Yeah, I think Goff will become a journeyman around the league. I agree. I, I don't know that he'll be a starter everywhere he goes, but I think he'll be on a roster for a while still. I don't think he's totally done. Yeah, I would agree. Ooh, eight seven nine eight. Big baby Davis. Glenn Big oh, Baby Davis. Oh, dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Another big body guy. Absolutely. I would, yeah, definitely put that's a good one, eight seven nine eight. Spot on with big baby. All right, we've got to call a quick timeout and when we come back. I want to talk about double stuffed Orioles. Holy cow. Let's do the results of our pick six. It's coming up next on the Full Court Press. It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Jokic has it on the elbow. He starts backing down his man, gets down to the low block, spins baseline, leans in, layup is up and in. And there it is, Nikola Jokic ties his career high with 47 points. Ah, uh, that was that was painful. But it is uh, part of our pick six, so we had to lead in with that. Hit me. All right, AJ. the six things we thought might happen this weekend. Uh, let's see. Denver over Utah. You said set the line at seven and a half. 
And despite you, I took the over. And this is your fault, by the way. And it was they won by eleven. You took the under, so I, that's one for me. Yeah, that, that's your fault. <laughs> Kansas over Tennessee, top twenty-five college basketball matchup. Tennessee won eighty to sixty-one. You had Kansas over by six and a half. Both of us took the under, so we both got that one wrong. Uh, LeBron James versus the Celtics. That was a doozy of a game. Uh, the line was set at twenty-four and a half. He actually scored twenty-one. I took the under. You took the over. So I'm two, and you have zero. Um, switching to the Mountain West, Roddy rebounds versus the Boise State Broncos. Set the line at 12.5. He actually had eight. I took the over, you took the under. So you got that one right. Uh, the rebound margin between so the Utah the Jazz. So now it's two to one Okay. for me. So now the rebound margin for the Utah Jazz over the Dallas Mavericks. This was Friday night. Set the line at 12.5. Actually, the Jazz out-rebounded the Mavericks by 16. I took the under. You took the over. So now we're tied. 2-2. Comes down to this. Boyan Bogdanovich shot attempts at Denver. Set the line at 12.5. I took the under. You took the over. Boyan Bogdanovich attempted 13 shots. So you beat me three to two by one shot attempt. Thank you, Boyan Bogdanovich. Congratulations, AJ. You're the big winner. About freaking time. Oh. I'll see if I have any other stale popcorn hanging around. Uh, like you know, here's the thing: is I should be excited about winning, right? I'm not because you just give me crap gifts, anyways. I have a really good gift. You steal gifts from your kids you. and donate them to me, or you steal gifts from your garbage can and donate them to the company. <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> you, I provide you, you the you? best gift. You don't remember putting. <laughs> I always have the best in mind. <laughs> best part because you don't win. Sports ever. guys like, oh look, popcorn. I'm like, no, 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 bad Eric. <laughs> A popcorn may, may or may not be four months old. <laughs> and it went to the wrong person. <laughs> Someone else got victimized. <laughs> oh, shoot. All right. God bless. Uh, 9315. This is appropriate note to end on. Why is Ajay so bitter when he wins? Okay, it's because, I, and I just noted this. When, you should be happy. When you should the be guy celebrating. Who lost, rubbing it in my kay. nose. Goes and steals his kids' made-up Aggie gifts from their room and then brings them over to me and is like, hey, look what this is, which is pom-poms in a paper house. No, it was a, it was a cool... And the light bulb's already burned out. Aggie there was no switch to turn it off. tower there with was the no, blue light. Yeah, and by the way, that light's burnt, dead. Okay? It, it lit up when and I so, gave it and, to and you. So you, know, yeah, you know, so know what I wrote on it? I wrote Utah State 2020 football season. <laughs> The light has gone out. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric Franson with you here to finish off the hour. 
Uh, Andre had to sneak out. He'll be gone for the rest of the day. Uh, still love to get the texts that come in, but great interactions so far on some of these quote-unquote unathletic but successful uh, players or uh, people who participated in sport. Now, some of these people we thought of, uh, yes, they were <laughs> unathletic. Somehow they found their way to professional sports. Uh, but how many of them were really successful despite being out of shape or smaller than normal, um, uh, you know, things like that? So that that's kind of a fun discussion to keep, continue to have. If you have any other ideas, anybody else jumps out at you, shoot me a text. Let me know, 435-339-0321. Kind of a fun discussion. Uh, we'll continue into the next hour if we can. Also coming up next hour, uh, the latest RPI rankings for high school basketball are out, and we'll update you on the current standings for both the boys and the girls in Region 11. Uh, I always like to do the updates on the net rankings on Monday, uh, kind of reflect what happened over the past week. Uh, they change every day, but on Monday, kind of take a, a little bit more of a snapshot there. And How are, th- how are the different publications reacting to what's going on in the Mountain West right now, national publications. Uh, are the two teams in? Three? Four? I'll give you an update on that. Somebody thinks there's four. Uh, a lot of others going with three. That's good news for the Mountain West. Uh, and then more news about this big trade that happened over the weekend. Matt Stafford to the Rams for Jared Goff. What does it mean for both teams? We'll talk about it coming up next, next hour in the Full Court Press. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. An NFL offseason filled with quarterback intrigue got off to a fast start this weekend. The Rams sent Jared Goff two future first-round draft picks and a third to Detroit for Matthew Stafford. Sounds more like a fantasy football trade than a real one, but that's the reality of today's NFL. Teams know the only way to win is with a great quarterback. They don't have the patience to see if they have that guy in the building. Jared Goff had success with the Rams, leading them to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago and three trips to the playoffs. But the organization saw a limit on just how far he could take this team. Stafford was in the opposite situation. He knew that he could only go so far with the Lions, and the team decided it was the time to start over. If you love NFL drama, this trade sets a high bar. But you get the feeling it's not the last time we're going to see star quarterbacks on the move over the next couple of months. Should be fun. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. What's going on? Eric Franson with you here on the Full Court Press. I.J. Salveson had to sneak away. But we're still here together. Appreciate you tuning in and joining me. And uh, you can still chime in and participate in the show. Always love to get the texts from the audience on various different topics. Even if we're not covering it, if you want to bring something up that we haven't touched on yet, 435-339-0321 to text into the program. Uh, If you want to continue the discussion from the last hour, uh, I thought it was a a great, um, uh, I guess, primer to get us into some interesting discussion, the most successful athletes who have had the least amount of athletic ability, whether they were overweight, too tiny, or whatever. That's some really good uh, thoughts that came in uh, from that. A lot of uh, overweight uh, basketball players, some boxers, some undersized basketball players, uh, small baseball, and uh, even NFL running backs. 
made our list uh, of honorable mentions, I guess you should say. Even some centers in the NBA, some Utah Jazz centers like Mark Eaton and Greg Ostertag. Not athletic, but they had success at their levels. So uh, I guess you can debate how much success, but they were part of winning teams and winning cultures nonetheless. Uh, so anyway, if you want to continue to, to uh, mine that idea and uh, come up with uh, uh, any other thoughts there, love to get them. We'll continue to pass those along. Uh, the RPI rankings are out for high school basketball for, the, for this past week. We'll give you the updates there. What are the current standings in Region 11 high school basketball? What are the latest NCAA net rankings? And where do the Mountain West teams kind of fall in that order? And what does that mean for potential tournament selection as an at-large opportunity? And seems to be some um, pretty common assumptions right now, at least among three teams, three top Mountain West teams. But the fourth... mm, Seems like there's uh, still work left to do, so we'll explain that coming up. Uh, and then continue to dive into this uh, big trade in the NFL. Matt Stafford from the Detroit Lions to the Rams in exchange for Jared Goff. Uh, what does that mean for the quarterback market in the NFL? Does that change anything with Aaron Rodgers and some of his sentiment lately after his team uh, was unsuccessful again in the NFC Championship game? So some interesting comments that have come out today. Uh, since then, in light of of uh, that trade between the Rams and the Lions, uh, but first of all, I want to get into uh, the uh, NCAA net rankings that were uh, they're updated every day. But looking at it on a Monday is always kind of interesting for me, just as a reflect back on on the week that was. Uh, Boise State split their two games last week with Colorado State, and uh, the uh, uh, Broncos did drop a little bit. They were right there in that 15, 14 to 17 range pretty consistently until they lost a game to the Rams early last week, won their second game. So they did drop a little bit. They're down to 21. San Diego State continues to climb the rankings. They're up to 28 now. Uh, Colorado State, because they beat Boise, uh, they got a quad one win at their place. Now they're up to 44 in the net rankings. Utah State is at 54, um, splitting with UNLV. Didn't necessarily drop them too far, but because they got the win, it helps them kind of stay maintain where they're at. Um, Nevada's at 124, UNLV at 176. Uh, UNLV had moved up, but now they kind of dropped back down a little bit, curiously. Um, and then the rest of the, the league is really not that great. Now, the Aggies do head to Fresno State later this week. For a Thursday-Saturday matchup, they're in Fresno, and uh, Fresno State Bulldogs come in at 208, coming into the start of the week. Um, the net rankings are always a little bit different from the Ken Pomeroy, um, and uh, and his rankings that he's put together that considers a lot of different variables as well. And so, curiously, these are a little bit differently. San Diego State at 25, U.S. Utah State at 52, Boise State. At 57, so not much as much love for the Broncos in Ken Palm uh, rankings. Colorado State at 68. So in this instance, Utah State's the second highest team in the Mountain West, but pretty similar to where they are in the uh, NCAA net rankings. Uh, Nevada at 108, UNLV 138, Fresno at 183. So uh, the bottom line here 
it, when you look at these rankings and you see the the quad one victories, who has victories in quad one or quad two or wins and losses and who they were against, the bottom line here for Utah State is they cannot afford to lose any other games except maybe one at Boise State. If they want to be able to be in that discussion as an at-large team and not worry too much about only winning the Mountain West Conference Tournament, certainly that is the guaranteed ticket. That's a guaranteed pass to get there. Um, But uh, if they want to have a, a strong enough resume to be considered, they have to win every other game except for maybe one in Boise. It's a very slim margin for the Aggies right now. And it kind of bears out uh, when you look at these different publications out there that are trying to do their own prognostications. And you know, I understand. Take it for what it's worth. Um, you know, different people have their various different opinions um, and uh, what it's how good it really might be or uh, what kind of research they really put into it. What do they really consider? Um, a lot of people kind of defer to Joe Lunardi at ESPN, his bracketology. He has Boise State as a number nine seed. Frankly, that's quite common among other publications. Uh, San Diego State as an 11 seed. Colorado State as a 12 seed in the play-in. And he has Utah State as the next four out. So he's got the last four in, the first four out, and then the next four out. So the Aggies are a part of that next four out. So they've got they've got some work to do, according to Joe Lunardi. CBS, Jerry Palm, has Boise State at number nine, Colorado State at number nine, and San Diego State at number 11, which is very curious to me how that happens. Uh, Utah State among the first four out for CBS. Uh, Sports Illustrated, they put together a mock uh, bracket and they update it frequently. Uh, Boise State at number 10 as a 10 seed. San Diego State as an 11 seed. Colorado State as a 12 seed among the last four in, part of the play-in game. And Utah State among the first four out. Is this sounding pretty common? (laughs) You go to the athletic. Boise State as an 8 seed. That's the highest so far that we've seen. Uh, San Diego State as an 11 seed. Colorado State as a 12 seed as part of the last four in. Part of that play-in game. Utah State, part of the first four out. This is pretty common. Except for Fox Sports. They have Boise State as a 9, Colorado State as an 11, uh, San Diego State as an 11, and Utah State as a 12 seed with that uh, last four in as part of the play-in. So Fox Sports giving some love to the Aggies. Four teams from the Mountain West Conference. Now, um, Utah State, as I said, they they can't afford to make any more mistakes. Certainly, you can't lose a game at a place like Fresno or against Wyoming. So they've got to be able to continue to take care of business. It's nice that they've uh, got a little bit of a break here. They Their next game isn't until Thursday. This is their biggest time off that they've had since conference play really got going. It's first of the year. So much needed mini break here for the Aggie basketball team to uh, kind of regroup, heal up, get some rest, and work on some things uh, in the gym. Try to clean up 
the, the turnover problem that they've had. Double-digit turnovers in the teens uh, for way too many of their last several games. Um, being able to make sure that the offense is running properly, get a bucket when you need one, and then continue to work on the defense and uh, taking away three-point uh, opportunities for uh, their opposing teams. So a couple different things that the Aggies are going to be working on this week. And we'll hear more from Craig Smith on Wednesday when he meets with the media. But uh, a nice little break and breather for the Utah State Aggies. Now, the standings still have the Aggies at uh, number two, just a, a half a game ahead of Colorado State. Boise has one loss. Utah State has two. Colorado State, San Diego State have three. Uh, the Rams have have played more and won more games than San Diego State, so that actually puts them ahead by a full game over the Aztecs. Uh, but right now, Utah State is still in, in that position as the number two team in the conference. And continue to pick up these wins if they can against teams that they should be able to beat. Now, Fresno State's not a bad team. They're five and six in conference, seven and six overall. So they really haven't had many non-conference games. That's part of what has uh, kind of held them down a little bit. But they're a good team at home. They're seven and one at home. When they're on the road, totally different story. So uh, the Aggies are going into a place that uh, this is a team that's won a couple of games in a row. Uh, they're playing at home, and so it's going to be a, a tough challenge for the Aggies to take on the Bulldogs. Um, so uh, important week this week for Utah State to maintain their position as a number two team, and uh, especially when it comes down to uh, potential seeding, the way that works out for the conference tournament, to be on the opposite side of Boise State. Um, but who else do you want to be on the opposite side of when it comes to the tournament? Do you want Colorado State? On the opposite side, you split with them, or do you want San Diego State on the opposite side? You beat them twice, but how hard is it, would it be to beat them three times? So uh, interesting to see how that continues to play out. Personally, I think I'd probably rather have Colorado State on the same side as the Aggies because they've proven to themselves they know how to beat Colorado State. Now they've proven they can beat San Diego State too, but... It'd be really tough, I think, to beat San Diego State three times in a season. Uh, San Diego State did not have Mitchell in that second game. They made it really close, and uh, they gave the Aggies all they could handle uh, without him. But uh, I think he, by the tournament time, he'd be back. They'd have a big chip on their shoulder. Uh, they want to prove something, and uh, I think that would be uh, that would be a more challenging game, I think, than facing Colorado State. But uh, that's still weeks away. We don't need to really. That's a more than a month away. Uh, we don't need to worry about that too much just yet because these standings are likely going to change a little bit before we get there. Um, you got a text that came in, and um, looking at uh, some of those teams um, that are uh, on the, uh, uh, on the the Utah State will have to face. Looking how things play out, and. Um, now, <laughs> I clicked out of it and I can't find it. I'll get back to it. I'll get back to it. So, um, But a few others that have come in. Uh, 9315, how do they factor in games that are postponed and not playing as many games? Uh, it's a good question. They're, the net rankings only take into account games that have been played. You can only create quantitative uh, data and qualitative data based on games that have actually taken place. 
So, um, but still, you can figure out, um, you know, win percentages and things like that based on games you've played. A team that's played more games may have a little bit of an edge to some degree because they'll have a great, more teams to compare against, especially if they're lower level, uh, or maybe if they're better teams too. They've got better teams on their resume than others who haven't played as many games. But the Mountain West is going to have a, a mechanism there to uh, allow those teams to make up some of those games um, when we get down to the near the end of the regular season. Uh, in fact, the uh, women's, they've already announced some of their schedules to uh, for their makeup games after the end of the regular uh, season. So um, that's uh, some of the things that are going on. Um, now, there was... I apologize. There was a text that came in about Colorado State. Now I can't seem to find it. But there was a question about Colorado State not being able to maintain uh, where they're at. You know, when you look at their schedule, uh, the Rams still have to um, go to Nevada, which isn't going to be easy. But uh, other than that, not a lot of challenges for Colorado State, to be honest. I mean, they head to Wyoming. Yes, it's a rivalry game there, but the Cowboys... Not really that great. They're kind of struggling, really struggling uh, this year. Kind of a mediocre Mountain West team. Colorado State's a good Mountain West team. So I would pick Colorado State to win both of those games. They host New Mexico. The Lobos aren't good. They play Northern Colorado, and it's kind of a non-conference game that's thrown in there. I think that's a makeup from earlier, perhaps, uh, from something that happened earlier in the season. Uh, Then they travel to Nevada. And that will be tough. That'll be a, a little bit of a challenge there. Again, Nevada, a good coach, but that's a team that's kind of up and down this year. You never know what you're going to get from game to game from the Wolfpack. And then they come home and host the Air Force Academy, and they're not that great. So Colorado State actually has a pretty easy path, in my opinion. They've gone through the toughest schedule so far. And maybe that's the comment about that the net ranking may not sustain uh, where it's at. Um, because their level of competition really isn't that great. But if you continue to win those games, they'll be able to maintain a strong uh, net ranking uh, in spite of their the, the teams that they face not being really that great. Now, as far as you know, San Diego State or, or Boise State, what does their path look like? Uh, certainly the, the Broncos still have to face the Aggies, though that will be in Boise. Uh, Boise State is on the road this weekend facing Nevada. Uh, not a great uh, road trip for them, but they should be able to get past Nevada. But still, that should be a really interesting series in Reno. They come home, they host UNLV. Uh, what team? What UNLV team are they going to get? The one that beat the Aggies uh, in their first game uh, or the second one that uh, didn't shoot as well? Um, then they host Utah State before they finish the road, uh, their season on the road at San Diego State. So clearly, Boise State has a more difficult way to, to finish out the season with road trips to Nevada and San Diego State, which aren't easy. And then they host a, an athletic UNLV team, which is not a bad team, and the Aggies. So Boise State Broncos have a tougher path to finish out their regular season than perhaps anybody in the league right now. And then the last team to compare, looking at uh, Bo- or excuse me, San Diego State, the way they finish off their season, they've got uh, 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 
well, they play New Mexico. I believe those games are at Dixie State this weekend. I'm not entirely sure. Um, they host San Jose, travel to Fresno, and then they host Boise State. So pretty easy path for the Aztecs until those uh, last two games when they face face off against Boise State. So uh, I, I like the matchups for Utah State. Uh, Colorado State has the easiest path to finish out their regular season of any of those top four teams. Um, but um, yeah, for Utah State, though, they just have to worry about their next game, and that's what this coaching staff preaches very well and what they get uh, into these players' minds. And you can't ask them about any future game or any future tournament. They'll just tell you about the next game in front of them. And Fresno State's not going to be a pushover. Um, and uh, it's got to be all hands on deck. Play your best basketball to take care of Fresno State because they're very good at home. Um, by the way, got a text that did come in from 9474. Love this. Best of the weekend, Westside football coach Tyson Moser named the Idaho football coach of the year for the 2020 season. Westside basketball head coach Tyler Brown named the 2019-2020 Idaho basketball coach of the year. How about that? Uh, COVID delayed the presentation uh, of the latter for the previous uh, year honors. So, yes, congratulations to Westside. A great uh, uh, program there. Despite their size, they, they, they may be small in numbers, but they play big and they win. Uh, so a great recognitions for Westside. That Westside football team, totally dominant. Great string of success by the Pirates. And that basketball team, up and coming. So exciting to see what's going on there for Westside. Uh, and by the way, we've been enhanced our coverage of uh, Westside basketball and Westside athletics recently. Cash Valley Daily's been having some great photo galleries of some of those games that have taken place uh, there in uh, at Westside High School. Uh, senior night for the girls just the other night. Um, so uh, you can see that gallery right now on Cash Valley Daily. So thank you for passing it along, 9474. Always good to recognize what's going on in uh, in Westside and, and excellence at whatever the level may be in the area. Uh, speaking of excellence, uh, I need to give a shout-out to the Skyview Cheer Squad. Uh, who competed well at the state uh, club championship, state championships that took place uh, not too long ago, and uh, they placed, uh, they won in one category, placed in a few others. Logan and Mountain Crest also did well in those competitions. So we always love to talk about the championship hardware that makes its way to Cash Valley in some form or another. All right, going to call a timeout here on the full court press. Um, just uh, one more thought about. The Utah State Aggies and what's going on with uh, college basketball. It's a really big week also for college football as they fine-tune and finish up uh, their uh, letters of intent for the recruiting period uh, for this upcoming season. Coach Blake Anderson has been very aggressive in the transfer market, but uh, there's also a lot to be determined with what seniors are going to come back for an extra year because they've been given that opportunity by the NCAA because of all this COVID stuff. So that coaching staff has to figure out which seniors are we going to get back for an additional year and who do we have coming home for missions? Who, who do we want to keep from uh, the other recruits that we kind of had in the pipeline? And uh, it's can't imagine complicated job that has been by this coaching staff to try to figure that out and keep it straight. So a uh, quick word on that. 
of the uh, updated RPI rankings for high school basketball are out. We'll update you on the standings there for Region 11. And big trade in the NFL over the weekend. What does that mean for the uh, quarterback market in the NFL still in the offseason? We'll talk about that all coming up next here on the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Thank you, Nate Kreckman. An update, a a reflection back, I guess we could say, on what happened in the Mountain West over the weekend and this past week. Uh, As we said, um, Utah State is still second in standings. Uh, Aggies are uh, 9-2. Excuse me, 10-2 in conference standings. Boise State is 10-1. Colorado State is nine and three. San Diego State seven and three. Your, your top four teams, they're all kind of still battling it all out. Um, that's it's hard to really define a lot of separation between them. Although Boise State, you have to make a case they do stand above the others. They did split with Colorado State this past week, um, and then there's this middle middle section there: Nevada, Fresno State, UNLV. And I'd even include Wyoming to some degree in there, in that middle group. And then you've got this bottom third, which is just really struggling. San Jose, Air Force, and New Mexico. Um, Because uh, Wyoming started out uh, kind of better, of a better start to the season, and they've been struggling since they got into conference play. They're four and six in conference play. But um, it's certainly not to be totally overlooked. But uh, San Diego State right now, the hottest team in the Mountain West with four wins in a row. And uh, Utah State making their trip to Fresno later this week. And that tips off on Thursday night at 7, which means our sister station KVNU will have their game night coverage starting at 6 with Al Lewis and Jalen Moore. And uh, and I love the analysis from Jalen Moore. It's fun to listen to him and break it down. And even talk about his past experiences in different places where he's been in relation to these matchups. Uh, found the text that I was struggling to find. Uh, CSU will lose a couple more. Aggies just need one at Boise and win the rest, which they should, and they will be fine. Uh, well, yes, in theory, that is actually absolutely correct. If the Aggies win the rest, they will be fine. If they split with Boise, um, that's the best case scenario. Well, the best case scenario is that they win all the rest of their games. They don't lose anybody else. They take care of Boise in Boise. But I don't know that that's going to happen. Those Broncos are a good, well-rounded team. But I think a, a, a good, reasonable scenario would have Utah State split in Boise, but they do need to win the rest of their games. Colorado State, this Colorado State will lose a couple more. I don't know. This is we just looked at their schedule. I think of those top four teams, they have the easiest path to finish out the regular season. Um, I think their toughest games are behind them. They've played the Aggies, they've played the Aztecs, they've played the Broncos, and they split with each of those. Isn't that crazy? And now the rest of their schedule is uh, are teams that are in the bottom half of the league. So Colorado State actually has the easiest path to finish out the regular season. 
Uh, I think Boise State probably has the the hardest because they have to play the Aggies and the Aztecs to finish things out. Um, So, for what it's worth. Uh, Anyway, if you want to still weigh in, love to hear your thoughts, 435-339-0321. And uh, the net rankings are out. They're updated every day. Ken Pomeroy updates his every day. Utah State, pretty much very similar in both rankings with where they're at. They're just outside the top 50. So basically, bottom line here, in looking at all these various national publications and how they're trying to project these brackets, the bottom line that they're all saying is that Utah State still has work to do. That's great. They've got a top, you know, close to a 50 RPI ranking, or excuse me, a net ranking. But they haven't beat anybody of note. They don't have a quad one win. And uh, they their only chance to do that, they only have one chance, and that's when they go to Boise. So that's why it's so important that if they go to Boise, they get at least one win. Got I mean, if you can get both, that's definitely going to secure your chances. But uh, that is the only shot at getting a quad one win. Uh, 9315, I heard something today about basketball conference skipping the conference tournament and just taking the season champion to March Madness. Is this a thing, and would the Mountain West do something like this due to COVID, maybe not having key players to play in March Madness? Um, I've heard this a little bit too. Some, I think some teams or some uh, people associated with teams that aren't doing well are, are floating these ideas. Uh, the Pac-12, I saw something earlier today, going to double down saying we are absolutely having a conference tournament. Um, I think that there's speculation from some other conferences wondering if they should have a tournament or not. Um, I I think it would be a mistake to cancel it. I think you can uh, have your own little bubble there in a, for a conference tournament. If you've been toiling all season long, going all over your, your conference, flying all over, having these games, um, and this is kind of the, the last opportunity to play to get in, you're going to have that taken away from you? I'd be upset if I was a player or a coach. Um, now, if I'm like Boise State and uh, I've got the number one seed right now, yeah, maybe I, I don't want a conference tournament because that eliminates the, the risk that I might not uh, be the number one team at the end. Utah State has gone into the last two conference tournaments not as the top team. And they've won those tournaments. Um, So if you're the top-seeded team, maybe you don't want a conference tournament because you don't want a team like Utah State coming in and taking that away from you. But is it a thing? I don't know how much of a real thing it is. I think it's just talk right now by a a few people. I don't know how legitimate it is. I hope not. I hope it's not legitimate, this talk. Because I hope that they still do these conference tournaments. Uh, I think they're great opportunities for these players to get one last chance. It's an equal opportunity for everybody. Even if you're the last place team in the regular season, you still have the chance. That's what's so great about college basketball and so great about the NCAA tournament. 
Everybody has a chance, unlike college football. Everybody has a chance. So don't take it away from them. Still give them that opportunity. Um, So I haven't heard anything uh, too legitimate. I know uh, Leon Rice was floating some complaints, wondering if we should still be doing that. But he's, I think, just trying to protect himself. But Mike Weir from New Mexico saying that's ludicrous. We still want to do this tournament. We're the ones that are having a nomadic season. We don't even have a home court. We're living out of hotels for months on end. We're the ones who should be asking for this not to happen, but we're the ones who do want it to happen. So I think that speaks volumes, and I think there's probably a lot of other teams voicing some similar sentiment. Look, I know there's some places where the case counts are still high, and it's it's still scary, and we have to still take it very serious. But there were only 28 positive cases in the Bear River District today. The last time we were that low was months ago. Months ago. So there's been some great progress being made on the vaccines available. We're getting to a certain level of herd immunity now. You still have to take it serious. You still have to follow protocols. Yes, you still have to do all those things that are asked of you and isolate if you come in contact with all that stuff. But um, the game, still play the game. Play the game. That's why it's there. Uh, switching gears, high school basketball. We, we've gone through the rankings and the updates and the standings in college basketball. But let's switch gears briefly to high school basketball. Region 11, UHSAA, Utah High School Activities Association, they release their RPI rankings every Monday. And we can look to see, was there much change? Was there much movement? How did it get reshuffled? And there are a few interesting movements there, and the standings becoming some separation currently in Region 11. For the boys, Skyview is at 5-0. and They've not lost in conference play, 12-3 and overall, and uh, they're maintaining their, their status with the RPI rankings overall in 4A at the, as the number five team. Uh, there's still a lot of, uh, several Region 9 teams ahead of them, but i got to wonder if that's going to start to sort itself out and Skyview can start to move up as those teams play each other. Uh, Juan Diego is inserted in there too as a number three uh, team. But Skyview comes in at number five. They're 5-0 five and oh in Region 11 play. Logan comes in at number seven, which is interesting. They're the number seven team in RPI, but they're the third team in the rankings. They're 3-2 and two in the standings, I should say, in Region 11. Ridgeline, because they beat Logan, had a, probably the biggest bump. They moved up. They were 12 last week. They're up to nine this week in the RPI standings. Uh, but Ridgeline, they're four and one in region play. Starting to really come together. Now, they struggled against Skyview. Uh, I guess I shouldn't say struggled. That was, game was down to the wire. Um, but um, they lost to Skyview, but they've pretty handily taken care of just about everybody else that they've faced. Uh, Ridgeline, is, so Ridgeline comes in at number nine. Uh, Green Canyon at number 11 in the rankings. Green Canyon 2-3 and three overall in the standings. Bear River at 15 in the RPI rankings. They are slipping. They continue to fall. They're 1-4 in region play. And then Mountain Crest, they have not yet won a game in region play. They're at 20 
they just take turns with Ogden at being the last team in 4A. Uh, Ogden is currently ranked dead last. Uh, Mountain Crest is at 20. Uh, for girls basketball, uh, Reg Line is still the number two team in the RPI rankings at 11 and four overall, and they're four and0 in region play. Logan not that far behind them. They're number four in RPI standings, 10 and three overall, also four and0 in region 11 standings. Uh, Green Canyon is at number five in uh, RPI and two and two in region 11 play. so third in the RPI excuse me in the region 11 standings. Skyview is at number six in the RPI. Uh, they're at one and three in their uh, uh, Region 11 play, so they're fourth in standings. Uh, Mountain Crest at 11 in 4A RPI for girls basketball. Mustangs are one and three overall in region play, and they're at fifth. And then Bear River at 13 in the region, uh, region standings, and uh, they have not yet won a game in Region 11 for girls basketball. So... Uh, interesting to see how this continues to play out. Some big matchups coming up this week uh, in uh, in Region 11 play. Uh, the Skyview, uh, Logan, and Ridgeline still in the top 10 for the boys' basketball. Ridgeline, Logan, Green Canyon, and Skyview in the top 10 for the girls. And uh, as we know, that that's important because that uh, keeps you in that uh, first-round buy opportunity. Uh, speaking of buys there's no there are no Wednesday games this week for the boys they only play on Friday as we start to get into the second half of the schedule um, the, the games that have already been played you play those same opponents but now it's switched as to who hosts so on Friday Skyview hosts Bear River um, and uh, Ridge excuse me Green Canyon hosts uh, Green Canyon hosts Ridgeline and uh, Mountain Crest is going to be hosting Logan so those are the games in uh, Region 11 boys coming up this uh, this Friday. No games on Wednesday. All right, going to kick uh, another timeout here in the Full Court Press. Want to come back, some updates on the NBA. Uh, Utah Jazz person got a significant recognition this week. I'll tell you who that was. And the implications from the Matt Stafford to the Rams trade in the NFL. We'll talk about that coming up next here on the Full Court Press. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. Yeah, the win streak is over for the Utah Jazz. Nikola Jokic was out of his mind in that first quarter, especially in Monster first half for the Denver Nuggets. They just could not miss from three. We've seen how the Utah Jazz can get hot shooting the three-point uh, ball, but um, rare to see a team do it like that against the Jazz. Now, they cooled off a little bit in the second half, but still. Uh, Jazz made a nice run there in the third quarter after being down 28 and got it within single digits, but uh, after expending so much time and energy... Um, trying to get it whittled down, the uh, the quarter break was was their their undoing. They just needed more time in the third quarter. Having that quarter break just cooled them off, and Denver was able to kind of get back into it, extend the lead back up to twenty, and then uh, eventually the Jazz uh, lose by eleven. But uh, the you know guys in garbage time getting it a little bit closer, but. The Nuggets definitely came out with something to prove on Sunday and took it to the Jazz. Uh, Utah 
has struggled a little bit if teams get real physical with them. And uh, they that's, I guess, the lesson learned here and how to react, how to punch back, how to get physical with their opponents and win in other ways if uh, the finesse game isn't working. Um, but in spite of that, in spite of the loss, the Jazz are still near the very top of the NBA. They're the number two team in the in the Western Conference standings. They trail the Clippers by just half a game, and uh, technically that would put them number two overall in the NBA. Uh, the best teams in the NBA are the Clippers and the Jazz. The LA Lakers, a half a game behind the Jazz, but uh, Jazz are certainly in some pretty rarefied air here with how they're playing basketball. And because of that, Quinn Snyder recognized as the Western Conference Coach of the Month. And why not? I mean, look at the string of wins they put together in January. Very impressive, Mark. Also, even though they lost their game on Saturday, or excuse me, on Sunday, the Jazz set an NBA record. The amount of three-point shots made in a calendar month it is a new NBA record for the Utah Jazz. And even though they lost, it was another game in which they shot 20 or more, or excuse me, where they made 20 or more three-point shots. This is a completely different team than we've seen in, a, in the last few years by uh, the Utah Jazz. And it's been interesting to hear some of the commentary about it. Quinn Snyder, I guess, has been kind of vocal that uh, looking at the tape, looking at what this team was and how well they their, their percentages for shooting the three at the tail end of the season in the bubble and, and in the playoffs, realized this is a team that can really shoot. But we got to feature that more in our offense. And they have. And that's part of the reason why they uh, they had won 11 straight until they lost uh, last night. But uh, I think the biggest key for the Jazz yesterday was uh, Denver was, was – they were the aggressors, and the Jazz had a hard time kind of uh, with their counterpunch. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is his first game back from concussion protocol. He was off. Didn't look like he was – maybe fully ready to be back. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich had a great night, thank goodness. Without him, it would have been an even uglier loss for the Jazz. But um, uh, Utah looking for some consistency, looking for a way to bounce back. Mike Connolly, great at the free throw line, uh, struggling at his own shot. He was only 2 of 10. Did a great job of getting around guys and getting some good looks. He had open looks, but just couldn't see the ball go through the net. Uh, As we've seen, this sometimes happened happens to a great shooting team. Sometimes they just have off nights uh, shooting the ball. So the uh, Jazz have the night off tonight. They do face Denver tomorrow. It is a little bit later tip-off. It's actually going to be a 8 o'clock tip. And there's some news coming out of the Utah Jazz. Today, Utah Jazz announcing that Vivint's uh, Arena is going to open the Upper Bowl. Now, they will do what they call a socially distanced pod seating so you can get seats of two to four together, and then there's separation from a couple rows or further down on the other side of the aisle. Um, but uh, they will allow, starting to allow more seats in the upper bowl. That's great news. That's actually going to increase the capacity to nearly 4,000. Um, now, the first uh, people that uh, will get the opportunities for those uh, seats are the uh, season ticket holders. Um, now, they still have their various protocols in place uh, with uh, health and safety. Still have to wear masks. 
Um, contactless tr- entry, you still have to show, you know, scan it on your phone, things like that to get in. Digital tickets only. You know, don't, can't bring a bag in, things like that. Uh, but uh, the Utah Jazz opening up more seats and uh, opening up the upper bowl, which, why not? I mean, it makes sense. I mean, there's all that area up there that people can spread out without any problem. Um, I would imagine that would mean that they'd have to open up some concessions in the upper bowl as well. Uh, but uh, it's that's encouraging, really, to see that happening, to see that uh, they feel like the the area is in a good enough place with the current numbers and what's going on, that they can open it up more, that they've proven over the last month, month and a half, that they can handle fans in the arena safely and still put on a good product. So that's great news for Jazz fans, that more will be able to go and witness it and be part of it in person. Uh, and a uh, eh, little side note, I'm actually going down to the game tomorrow. So I already have tickets. So uh, excited to be able to go down there and see how that that works and see what uh, if that gets filled up in those extra seats in the Upper Bowl uh, tomorrow night. So a nice recognition for Quinn Snyder, Western Conference Coach of the Year, uh, Western Conference Coach of the Month, I should say, and uh, Utah Jazz setting the NBA record for three-point shots made in a calendar month. Big, big accomplishment in the, the way that they're playing this month. Uh, and uh, certainly got to get back on track against Denver, a team that uh, not great in the standings, but uh, a, a team that has surprised some of their opponents. Jazz have already faced them on the season, um, but um, you know, the Pistons have had uh, they, they beat the Lakers just the other day. Um, so uh, they are in action tonight against the Nuggets in Denver before they come out to Salt Lake tomorrow to take on the Jazz. So uh, they also beat the 76ers not too long ago. So don't don't sleep on the on the Pistons. All right, coming up next here in the Full Court Press, big trade in the NFL. What does it mean for the uh, quarter ma- quarterback market in the NFL? And uh, Aaron Rodgers, was he involved? Were there discussions? We'll update you on that coming up next here in the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you're talking about the guy that is going to win the the MVP of the league. Like, we're not in this position without him. So, um, I couldn't be happier with just not only his performance, but how he he led our football team. Uh, all all the little things he does within that locker room to ensure that everybody is locked in, focused, ready to go. So, um, yeah, absolutely, he will be here for a long time. That's uh, the Green Bay Packers head coach, Matt LaFleur, on whether Aaron Rodgers will stay. Personally, that was a big question after the end of the season, uh, after the playoff run, and uh, he made some interesting comments about not sure of his status or anyone's status. Um, and there the started to be speculation. Where would he go if he went somewhere else? Apparently, the Rams did reach out. The Rams are very serious about moving Jared Goff, as now we know for sure that they did after getting Matt Stafford. But uh, there are reports that they reached out to Green Bay and uh, LaFleur and their their management team said, no, we, we're very committed to Aaron Rodgers um, and we, we want to see what we can do to continue to help him here in Green Bay. Um, and smart move. I, I think that if Aaron Rodgers goes to the, to the Rams, uh, did I say the Dodgers before? <laughs> if he goes to the Rams, um, 
then uh, it's great defense there. There are a few uh, offensive weapons there that he can throw to. That would be a very dangerous combination. Um, and uh, Rams going to be there. Uh, definitely contenders, I think you'd have to think. But instead, they get Matt Stafford. Now, here's a guy who uh, didn't really have a whole lot of help around him. Uh, despite that, I mean, they had different times at the, with the Lions that they were a team that maybe could play okay, and, and then they just really wouldn't come out on top uh, and make it through very much. But this is a guy that is in um, – he was top 10 quarterback in in overall uh, a passing, should be top 12 in yards uh, for the year. Uh, pretty clean quarterback rating, pretty decent quarterback – he has had some injury issues a little bit. He is 32 compared to Goff, who's just 26. Um, but um, from the Rams, they just they needed somebody that could move the offense forward. And it looked like uh, Goff had just kind of stalled out. After being one of the top scoring teams in the NFL a few years ago, they have steadily declined since then. Uh, I've seen some reports that uh, players uh, just weren't respecting him anymore. He didn't have the same kind of work ethic. Uh, in that Rams locker room and uh, in practices. And so he was starting to lose the team. And so that uh, McVay and his uh, and that ownership felt like they needed to make a, a change, needed to make a move. Uh, is Matt Stafford going to be the answer? I don't know. But I think he is an upgrade. Um, when he was at, at Detroit, what help did he have? He didn't have a running back, didn't have much of a defense. Yes, he had a few wide receivers here and there. Um, but uh, is he going to be the silver bullet for the Rams? I think he certainly makes them uh, be taken a little bit more seriously and be a little bit more of a contender. Uh, they're not that far off. And you get a, a better quarterback, an upgrade at the quarterback position, that could be the big difference for them to get over the hump and uh, be back in the, at the NFC uh, title hunt. They could get back to the uh, Super Bowl. Uh, their uh, title odds already have gone up since they made the trade for uh, what might look like for next year. Uh, coming up tomorrow, we'll update you on our, our stat and player that stood out to us from this past week. And uh, we'll continue. To get, we'll preview the Jazz and the uh, Pistons.